beyond excited to announce that I have partnered up with Magimix for this season of Crazy Sexy Food. As the inventor of the food processor, Magimix is a family-owned business that has an amazing reputation as makers of quality kitchen appliances and are cherished and adored all around the world by both chefs and home cooks alike. I remember growing up and always seeing my mum's beloved Magimix on her countertop and the utter ease of how she used it. Fast forward to today and my beautiful Magimix cook expert is literally the most used appliance in my kitchen. This latest innovation is both a food processor and multi-cooker in one machine. It's a game changer for me and it's such a dream to use. I think of it as my personal sous chef. I give it all the hard work to get on with so I can focus on more interesting jobs like tasting, flavouring and serving up delicious meals. And don't even get me started on their ice cream machine, the gelato expert. It makes ice cream to rival even the best Italian delicacies. Oh, and if that isn't enough, come September, they're launching a new range of blenders. Fancy getting your hands on one of their products? Then use my code CSFMAGIMIX for a 15% discount at magimix.co.uk. Follow Magimix UK on social, download their brilliant app for hundreds of delicious recipe ideas and see how the amazing Magimix can become your personal sous chef in your kitchen too. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by a woman who has revolutionized the fragrance industry and may or may not have a sixth sense. Jo Malone is the lady behind Jo Malone London and Jo Loves, both hugely successful companies that changed the way we wear scents. She is described as the English scent maverick. Her innate sense of smell and knowing what we want to wear on our bodies is why she has this sixth sense, perhaps a heightened fifth sense in smell, perhaps also a superwoman. I guess I will find out. <laughs> the link between smell and taste is unparalleled, so I cannot wait to get into this conversation of food and life with her. Jo, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Oh, I'm so thrilled <laughs> to, to be sitting here chatting with you. I Honestly, I love being called a scent maverick because it makes me feel like Top Gun. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> How sad is that? Well, absolutely not. I mean, I'd love to be any kind of maverick. Um, I, oh, I think I've still got a bit of time to go, it. but you know, that's great. It gives great. me freedom to, to do whatever I want, really, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. And it's such a pleasure to be here. And I feel like this conversation is going to be so interesting because I've never sort of hit the food conversation from this angle. So I'm very excited. As you know, I always start my conversations with my first question, which is, what did you have for breakfast today? Um, so I'm a kind of healthy eating breakfast. I had wholemeal toast, peanut butter, banana, big, I like a really, really strong cup of coffee, an actmel, and a few grapes. Oh, God, very nice. Mm. So are you putting the bananas on the toast? Are you slicing them on top? Mush them, mush them, yeah. so I, but a little crunchy. They're yeah. actually lovely if you put them in the freezer, by the way, and just mush them slightly. Oh. Uh, wholemeal toast, peanut butter, crunchy peanut butter, which I love. Um, and because I have a slight problem with my sugars. Okay. And actually, if I eat really well at breakfast, it brings my sugars to a level uh, point, which is why I eat bananas. And this is why she's a maverick. <laughs> So we're here at the Candle Studio at the Joe Love store. Um, I'm in heaven. Uh, the smells are wafting pretty, through. Isn't it? Um, I'm feeling very happy with myself. And I'm wearing one of your fragrances Ooh. today. I'm wearing, uh, I don't know the pronunciation, mandarin? Mandarin. Mandarin. Oh so that was one of the very first ones. And that is Mediterranean summers, isn't it? It's got the wonderful orange Beautiful. and the vetiver and yes. the woods in it. Oh my. When I wear it, I wear it on the days, funnily enough, when I wake up in a good mood because the smell makes me feel oh. good because I find it fresh. It's sexy. It is. It's sexy. It's, it's quite masculine exactly, as well. Perfect for crazy, sexy food. Exactly. And 
I do just have to admit that I did wear one of your scents on my wedding day. I, di- I didn't want That's to lovely. not mention it. Um, so I, I wore uh, red roses on <gasps> my wedding you? day. I, and I, I loved uh, creating that. It's a yes, tea rose, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah. And um, my husband still to this day, because I only wear it on special occasions as well. So I'll wear it on days that are like, if I'm going to another wedding, I might wear oh, it. Oh, how nice. Yeah, so I'm very particular. I'm quite particular with my scents, actually. I don't know if you're like this. So I choose my scents according to, I guess, who I am that day, and but also where I'm going. So that is my mission in life, ah. to get people to think about scent like that. To oh. think about like it, like a, a the, the greatest accessory. You know, you can have your little jeans and a white T-shirt... And for me, that's always grapefruit and colognes and lime mm. and citrus. But if you're going to a black tie, you know, you want a little bit of that feminine sort of blossom, either red roses or a beautiful sort of orange blossom, something like that. So, yeah, that, that's my mission is oh, to teach well, people. Go. So you're already there. You've <laughs> already, already there. got the gold I'm part star. of the brand, Joe. <laughs> so before we get into um, sort of the conversation of smell and fragrance, I want to take it back to your childhood. You were born and raised in London. I want to know what life was like growing up, who was cooking, what was on the table, how did food sort of play a part mm. in your life? Food, is, food has always been through my life a very strong voice, but as a child there wasn't a lot of it. And food was very much not your friend, it was, it, food was often a luxury that we didn't have. So I grew up in a council estate, two up, two down in Bexley Heath in Kent. Um, my, I had two very creative parents. My father was a brilliant artist. He was also a member of the Magic Circle, so he was a oh, magician. Wow. And he was also a huge gambler. So I was his best friend, and I would go to the markets with him, sell the paintings. I would also be the magician's assistant in the afternoon, so I knew I kept all the rabbits, and I had a pet dove called Suki, oh who gosh. came, who just would fly out from a hat, and she was, oh, she was so beautiful. And then I was also taught how to read marked cards. So I would stand when they were playing poker and I would stand in the corner and signal to my father. This is at the age of seven, eight. This is what, epic. What everyone had in their hand. And the whole purpose, the reason I'm telling these stories is, and my mum, by the way, sorry, not forgetting my mum. My mum worked for Revlon first and then she worked for the great Countess Lobati. And that was where I learned skincare. And fra- uh, fragrance was very much part of that. But the whole purpose of the market, the magician's assistant, was to earn money to make sure there was food in the fridge. Mm. So my job from the age of 11 was to make sure there was always three meals in the fridge because there were times when there was absolutely nothing. And sort of, I guess that sort of comes with its, with its own sort of issues and struggles. But if you could remember one dish that perhaps defines your childhood what would it be beans on toast yeah beans on toast Uh, and there was always beans on toast there was always one egg and there was always a tin of baked beans that was always my mission and um you know I, i i just can remember and i still actually i still have that feeling there's always a tin of beans in my mm. cupboard because it's a great meal yeah and it's full of protein so I think, yeah, that would have described... Listen, when things were going wonderfully, we would eat like kings. But as a child, you, you're, you need stability in food, mm-hmm. not erratic. Um, and, you know, if we had sold a painting that day, we would go and get a Chinese takeaway. So Chinese takeaways always, for me, all the way through my life, have been a celebration. Mm-hmm. A celebration of today is a good day. So there's all kind of signals that food gave me. But as a... And again, I lived in a community where people looked after each other. So Auntie Maureen down the road, if she had two extra lamb chops, she'd bring them up to us. You know, you shared. Absolutely. Where people don't do that anymore. No. I would. You know, if, I have, if, on, if I'm going on holiday, I'll empty my fridge and give it to my neighbours, whatever. I hate a waste of food. I li- do exactly the same thing. I, my neighbours upstairs, we have, a th- we have a thing where either of us are going on holiday and we'll always show up at the front door with a big bag of, whether it's half opened, half, whatever, just take just it. Don't waste it. No. Give it away. No, don't, completely. And don't I, I always bang it. on about this. So when you say that you were sort of 
you sort of had these sort of jobs in order to make sure there was food. So were you the primary cook? Yeah, I was the primary. My dad was actually a very good cook. Okay. But, and he was, I mean, listen, my parents are, are gone now. And I choose to remember the good parts of them. Of but he was not domestically um he he was domestically challenged he he just couldn't cope with the responsibility Mm. of it so and my mum at that time she when I was 11 she had had a terrible breakdown so she just sat and sort of rocked herself in a chair the whole time so I was the primary person who could earn money and could cook so I was I was an adult way before anybody else but I didn't I didn't have an unhappy childhood if I had it again Hannah, I'd probably do the same again in a funny sort of way because it wasn't unhappy. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not a brilliant cook. I'm a really good cook. I can, I can cook something for 10 people with nothing. Um, but give me a whole kind of like, you know, all, all the bells and whistles and I don't know what to do with anything. But um, yeah, it's, it, was that, it was that feeling that food, but I loved sitting down because when we sat down to a meal, we were a family. Mm. and my dad always wanted to sit with a tray on his lap and watch the TV and I always wanted to sit at the table because I still believe this when you sit the world's situations can be solved doesn't matter what they are round a table because you sit and you eat together you hear each other's perspective and suddenly you start to see each other as individuals but he liked to watch the TV and I longed to sit round a table I, I actually bang on about this all the time and I've spoken about it with a few guests in the past that it doesn't matter even if you're all sitting on the floor because you don't even have a dining table. The conversation over food is a conversation like no other. I agree. And this is one of probably the reasons yeah. I started this whole podcast in the first place. So I, I couldn't, I'm so with you on that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you left school at quite a young age and that was to care for your mum. I was, I was 15 when I left, so I, ne- I do you know, I can't remember ever finishing school. I bet you can remember the yeah. day you finished. I never went back. I fell through the cracks. I went back for a few days. I never sat any exams. And it's so, so interesting. When I'm really insecure, I will dream about going back to school, and I'm panicking because I haven't done my exams. Even though I am over 50 years old, that insecurity still sometimes rears it rears its head, and I had it the other day. It was a really really weird dream. Anyway, but no, I didn't. No, no um, CCS. I think they were called CSCs at that time. GCSEs, O levels, A levels. Never went to uni. Never went to college. Never finished school. So on paper, I was told I was lazy and stupid, and I knew I wasn't either of those things. Mm. And I was thinking, and I had to make money, so I know. And I was a worker. I never moaned, I never groaned, I just got on with it. So I kept the house spotless, I cooked. Um, whatever there was in the fridge, I would make a meal from. And I looked after my mum, and my sister and I were meant to go into care. And I managed, I don't know how I did I actually can't remember that bit. When social services came round, I said, Dad's on his way home. I lied. And so we fell through the cracks, and I raised my sister, and um, my mum eventually got better. I'm just sort of sitting here with just like total admiration because I just think these stories, um, sometimes people don't talk, people maybe feel uncomfortable Mm. talking about sort of that possible childhood they may have had. And um, I really thank you for being so honest about that. So I sort of am going to fast forward quite a bit because you, as you've just said, you know, you had what maybe the general outlook was the odds against you you had no qualifications you've left school at quite a young age you're sort of looking after your mum you're doing all these things around the house you're kind of acting as this carer Mm. how do we get from that to you kind of getting into the world that is beauty fragrance skincare so uh, by the way, the reason I always share my story is there will be someone listening to this podcast who is in that situation and it makes them feel they're not alone. Absolutely. That's why it's important yeah. to share difficult things. Agreed. Um, so I went from this child, I was always very entrepreneurial though. My first job was in a flower shop just mm. up the road. And in no. fact, well, I'll come back to that one. 
bit. It gets better than that. It gets much better than that. And um, I was a young 16-year-old working in the flower shop just on the corner. That's Tom Tom's now. Tom's yeah. coffee yeah. shop. And this was owned by the same man. So this was the place, this where we're sitting, where I had my first job at 16 because I threw a bucket of water over the, the manageress who was shouting at me one sunny morning and I got fired, obviously. And I came to work here, which was just into blank, uh, which was he was the greatest entrepreneurial first delicatessen to serve coronation chicken. So this, so when we talk about food, food was really one of the places I started and it was in this very very place so this was the kitchens so we we, I've returned all the way back to where I first started but so that's where it began this feeling of I mean the first time I ever saw an artichoke was hysterical I didn't I I didn't know what to do with it and avocados I only ever made face masks it's it's like you can't what are you doing eating an avocado (laughs) you have to mix it with oil and put it on your face it was so funny um, but I had this love of skincare and fragrance, and I could feel all the pieces of my life coming together. Um, I married very early. I married when I was 21, and Gary and I and I started my first skincare business. So that's how I started, in a tiny little apartment up the road here. No money for furniture. We had a piece of blue foam from home base, which was our bed. No curtains, so we could never get undressed and dressed in the... We had to get dressed in the dark and in the toilet which was so funny, and no furniture. And I started a small skincare clinic. And when the, I was so grateful to the people for coming. And, and do you know something? I was never overdrawn. I never borrowed any money. And whatever I had, I paid the bills. And even and if it, we had enough at the end of the week, we'd have a Chinese takeaway on a Friday and celebrate life. And that's really where it started. Um, and as people would leave, I would give them a little bottle of body lotion or bath oil to say thank you for coming. And one day, one lady ordered 100 bottles. And that was the, and the beginning. And the rest was sort of history. Yeah. And I guess I want to really get into this conversation of the sense of smell. You know, obviously, we've all got the sense of smell. We all can just know what we like, what we don't like. Is there a talent or is there a skill or a word that I can't find right now that's needed in order to understand how scents work together? Because is it just as simple as saying, you know, we were just talking about the the, the smell of roses. Mm. It's a very beautiful Mm. smell. I don't know anyone that hasn't smelled roses or a flower and thought, oh, this is horrible. You know, that's a very generic, beautiful smell. Some will, some will, because your sense of smell is often about memory. So you're, you're associating those notes that you love um, with a memory of something. So it connects. And so it's that feel good. Like for me, if I smell vanilla, I get really irritated. And really? I, want, I want the person who's wearing it in the room to go right over there. I can't bear it. And I feel myself getting angry. And there must be something in my childhood or my adulthood where vanilla played a part. So I think... A lot of that is connected. I have something called synesthesia, so I see colour and I smell fragrance immediately. So oh, wow. the red of your, the inner of your... It's very... When I talk about it, it often disappears. See, when I say... when it, The golden gardenia, I smell straight away, I smell this, this huge regal kind of like tuberose and gardenias and blossom. So I connect colour and sometimes texture and music as well right the way back into fragrance every time. I knew it. You did have a sixth sense. I I was right. (laughs) I do do think, so apparently the primeval part of my brain is larger than most, which actually... Oh my gosh. So the maverick with a big hippocampus. This is brilliant. But I guess sort of like for people who may not know, sort of you mentioned the word notes. Mm. Like, what is that? Like sort of we're trying to break down the idea of a perfume. You know, it's not just one scent put into you know a um a, a bottle and then we're spraying it yeah. you know for years on end so the how does so, it all come together i always like pictures because i'm dyslexic so i love pictures imagine an orchestra okay so and just imagine each piece of the orchestra from the wind to the uh string instruments to percussion imagine them all in all as notes as fragrant notes so you'll have the, uh, the, the, the flute and everything will be beautiful blossom. And then the percussion mm. is the beat in the background of your... And what, what you're trying to do is you're trying to pull from each part and we have what's called a fragrance organ. And it actually looks like an orchestra and you sit in front of all these bottles 
and you're able to pick, smell, and then I spin the papers round, and I'm, and the, and it's talking to me. I know that sounds so so strange, but the fragrance is telling me and finding its voice, and I'm finding okay, um, that floral note is not being held in the way that I want. Something like a pettigram from the orange blossom tree. What does it need? Okay, I'm going to take the skin of a mandarin and I'm going to place it just under that note. Now, Gardenia, tell me. Now, Orange Blossom, tell me, does that help you? Yes, yes, Joe, it does. And it lifts. And then I take that piece and then I take... I mean, I, I live the most incredible life because every day I create. I create something. This morning I got up really early, really early, and I was working with a lilac that I haven't worked with before. And it was like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I'm not going to... And it's like, okay, okay, all right, all right. What about a patchouli? Let's let's mm. add a little patchouli, and suddenly, the note becomes alive. And that, in in my second part of my life, um, I wasn't brave enough to work that way in the first part. But in the second part of my life, I've had found this braveness that I never knew before, and I'm starting to push notes and create things that I don't think I would have ever done before. Absolutely fascinating. Tell me, there was an old, I don't know if it's an old wives' tale, but someone told me this when I was younger. I think I was at, in, a, in a beauty hall or a, a perfume hall in, in one of the department stores in London, and I was smelling some perfumes, and someone said to me, if you smell more than X number of scents or smells, that you then sort of, your sense of smell... Mm. slightly changes or you can't smell it properly. Is it's that true. true? It's true, but if you took a whole handful of fresh coffee beans and smelt them, you can smell it, shocks the brain back into... I'll, I'll prove it to you later. Oh, my God. I'm just like my head. And that's why often when you're creating fragrance, you will have a strong coffee and sugar because when you're... Bra so I can smell up to 100 Gosh. notes a day. And, and I'm not a nose, by the way. I'm not... I didn't do that training. And the people that do do that are amazing. But I, I can run with the fastest, without a doubt. And um, But I will have a really strong coffee, which almost tastes of tobacco wow. and sugar. And it will take my brain and it will make me smell and smell and smell. And I can find the tiniest... what. And I say, hold on, is that lychee in the bottom there? And they go, yeah, it is Joe. And the young perfumers love working with I me. Bet. Because there's never a written brief. No. The brief is in my soul and in my head. And we tell the story. It's, it's just storytelling. That's yeah, all it is. Yeah. Something else that came to mind when you were just talking and how you just went into that flow of how you were working with Lilac this morning and then the patchouli. You are your father. You're a magician. It, because it's well, what well, you're doing. thing to say. It's true. Oh. Because how you were talking is, it's, it's the most beautiful talent. It's got me. <laughs> You're a magician. Okay, no one has ever, ever said that. I am the magician's assistant. That's you are. wonderful. You are. Yeah, you got me there, Hannah. I think I've done my, I've done my job. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, I don't so mean wonderful. to make you cry, but it's true. Oh, I just feel moved. It's just, I feel moved like it's, it is, everything has come round full oh. circle. You're back in the store that you started your, your working life in, mm. and you are that child... Back yeah, in that, I, it's so I've never, like, never seen well, it. Well, like that, I, I, that is literally what has come to me. Um, you have to. Our theme for Christmas is magic, by the way. Oh well, there we go. And you wait and <laughs> you wait to see what, what we've what we've done. But well, that's that's it's a how nod I've, to my dad. That's how I, there we go. Yeah, yeah, it's a nod to my dad and thanking the thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I do feel I feel like I'm a storyteller. Yeah. Um, but the things that we create do do make people you know like feel the child again and yeah. find that imagination and find you know being an entrepreneur is one, one of the most wonderful things in the world but it's also the hardest job in the world mm. because you have to get up every day and recreate yourself any creative person what you did yesterday stays in yesterday you want to change the world today you have to do it again absolutely um, and fragrance allows me to 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 change every single day and actually something else, so I, mean, I mean, I'm just so mesmerized by all the things that you said, I can't even get through my questions, but something else you said, I also agreed with about the fact that certain smells like for you, vanilla doesn't sit very well with mm. you. And it's about that nostalgic nature of, of scent. You know, I, with certain perfumes, 
I'll walk down the street and someone will pass me and they'll be clearly wearing a perfume that I wore when I was 14 oh. that I have many regrets about. Um, and I will be like, oh my God, that smell, first of all, is awful. How could I have ever worn that? But it's just taken me back to that one moment when I was 14 and that boy broke my heart and I was on that holiday in Spain. And, and you feel it. And you feel it. And you feel the emotions. Isn't that amazing? It's profound. Isn't that amazing? Because that, that's what I'm saying about your memory. Yeah. So your sense of smell and memory sit very close to each totally. other. Which is why in the pandemic, I was the scent keeper, the gate scent keeper. And I was able to pass on little locks and say to people, remember, I know mm. you're still in your four walls. Remember, mm. remember the wedding. Remember, remember Christmas Day. That's the smell of the tree. That's, and the, all these things will come back again. And I travel the world telling stories. That's all I do. That's all I do. And I'm certainly not the cleverest and smartest, but I, I am the scent magician. I, I'm going to say... Actually, I like that name better than Maverick, <laughs> I think. Um, and you... And what a privilege. Yeah. Because I... You know, that lady, as you walked in, she smiles. Yeah. We make people happy here. Mm. We, we... Yes, it's a business. Yes, and it's a very thriving business. But we make it count. We make it count with people. And... Uh, the tapas bar, which we have here in Joe Loves, is um, instead of eating, you smell. Mm. You must do that afterwards. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. So you've you've been doing your skincare range at this point. You're giving your clients a little something to take home with them. You then create Joe Malone London, which yep. obviously just takes the world by storm. And I guess what I sort of want to ask is. Back in those days, what do you think it was that set you apart? Because let's be honest, there's a lot of fragrances out there. Yeah. It's a very mm. big business. What do you think made you such a success? I, I, I think what makes me a success is I listen to my own heart. I stay true to who I am. I don't try and be something I'm not. I don't run away from my background and I don't run away from my creativity. And I think at that time, I was doing something that no, I, I called a fragrance what it was. Mm. What you see is what you get with me. And what you see is what you get is with my creativity. I don't hide behind things. And I think I was just this young British girl. And it was at a time of recession. Everyone said, you'll never, you'll never make it. But from the opening of, the, of that shop in Walton Street all those years ago, five years to the day, I'd sold it to the biggest beauty corporation in the world. And Gary and I suddenly, for the first time in five, in all those years of marriage, suddenly had a double bed, which was very novel. Um, and I look back at that and I just think I learnt, I learnt so much in those five years, how to be a shopkeeper, how to stay true to creativity. And at that time when we had the shop, I was still running a skincare clinic. So I would do Gosh. faces, run up at lunchtime, uh, serve in the shop, so the other person could go for lunch and they come back and the weekends we'd be there and I loved the experience but the reason we sold Joe Malone to uh, Estee Lauder was it was becoming so large so quickly and we didn't have enough money mm. to, to fund it and so you know we either borrowed money which my childhood told me I wasn't going to do that you either partnered with somebody didn't want to do that or you went into an acquisition and so we were one of the first few pioneers that led the way for um, other mavericks to follow and other kind of indie brands and cult brands. That's mm. what we, mm. you know, we really did. And there, were, there wasn't just me. There were people like Marcia Kilgore from Bliss, mm. um, uh, uh, Lynn Harris from Harris. You know, there, there was a whole group of us who, Roger Dove yeah. as well, who really paved the way for others to come and believe that our industry was as important as couture fashion. And we proved to the world that it was. And uh, so the acquisition with Lauder um, was a huge turning point in my life and it gave us the money, but then life threw me a curveball. <laughs> yeah. As it does every day. And now we are sitting in Joe Loves. <laughs> um, I guess where I want to take this is you sort of, you 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 sell Joe Malone London. Um, there's a period of time. Five years. Yeah, five years. Um, you then set up Joe Loves. You've already, by this point, as far as I'm concerned, revolutionised the way that we wear fragrance. 
Um, and I know that you've just mentioned it, but as we are sitting in the store, talk mm. to me about the fragrance paintbrush concept because this is very cool. Oh, so we were actually yesterday, we were at an event over the weekend and we went through thousands of paintbrushes. People were just going crazy suddenly. So um, when we set up Joe Loves, I I do feel a different person, but, but you feel a different person in your life. You know, life comes in trilogies, mm -hmm. the beginning, the middle bit. I'm living in my third trilogy. You're probably still in your first second. Oh, I'm definitely yeah. in my third. <laughs> And your third has to be your best life. Otherwise, what's the point? And so when we set up Joe Loves, I, and during that five years, I, I don't think pe many people realize this, I wanted to set up a restaurant because I love food. And food is such, food is not just a thing to me. Food is like the biggest voice of inspiration. I can sit, my, you look at a lot of things I do and you will connect them back to food. Because not just the ingredients, the tapas bar, the shot candle mm. is a cocktail. Everything comes back and I can sit in a restaurant and I will always sit with my notebook because all these ideas will come to me from food. Okay. From food. So I've just created a little dim sum for tapas, which is a body lotion in a little thing and then we've sealed them down. They come in steamer baskets with chopsticks. Anyway, so many You're things just, to share. Yeah, so many I, things I, to I share. just want to be now, your um, best friend for Joe, life. <laughs> Well, let's agree yeah, we shall. There we then. go, Dan. Um, paintbrush. <laughs> yeah. So Gary said to me, I want you once in your life to create something that changes the whole way the whole world does something. And <laughs> you'll love this one. And I thought, Cheek, well, what, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'll just bank what you make and, and build it. <laughs> I love and Gary. Typical <laughs> Gary. Anyway, so um, I was thinking, and then I suddenly thought, my dad, and when I was a child, I used to wash his paintbrushes and I thought, I'm going to create the world's first paintbrush. And I'm going to get people to look at their body as though it's a plain canvas. And the paintbrush is no colour, but scent. And I'm going to get people to paint their bodies with fragrance as though they're living art. And that's, that was my mission. Wow. And we are, uh, we now are, we're a global business now. So we're China, Korea, Australia. Um, <clears throat> where else are we? Middle East. And... We are changing the way the world wears fragrance through paintbrushes. So are you literally saying that rather than spraying a perfume or, or dabbing a perfume, you've, mm -hmm. you've got a paintbrush and you I'll are... I'll show it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but then are you... Yeah, but there we go. You... Oh, wow. So this is... So these are Joe Loves. Oh, this is an orange blossom. Okay. okay. Now the great thing about this is it's not liquid. It's, it's a gel. So you... There we go. If you give me your arm... And I'm just going to spread. She's paintbrushing okay. my arm. So, and the beauty about oh, this, and it wow. will dry really, really quickly. And if you smell, so let the. This is mango oh. oh, sorry, this is mango and Thai lime. Sorry. Oh, that's gorgeous. Um, and that's so clever. Is, is there an? Is there a? What's the next one? Oh, uh, pomelo. Let's do pomelo. Oh, yeah. Pomelo. Oh my gosh. So that. So this is so, really. But <clears throat> also, just on all different day-to-day -day, um, logistics. In your handbag, travel, paint. Uh, uh, just. Oh. oh no no don't worry. So don't tell worry. me then, this this is like a gel. Well, it's, so it's now dried, hasn't it? Completely but dried. The brilliance about this now, so with this heat, just pop them into the fridge, or, pop, or if you're by the side of a pool. So when I go on holiday, I have all my paintbrushes in a nice bucket, and. I make I chat all the time to everybody. So, oh, you're hot. Okay, hold on one second. I'll paint you with pie. So I have a fragrance called Pomelo. And one of my big dreams, my big missions, is I am going to make Pomelo the beach fragrance for the world. So every beach in the world at some point will feel the scent of Pomelo. And that's the Turks and Caicos on a oh, I'll gosh. make sure you go away with some. You know but, that my, my husband's favourite fruit is a Pomelo? This, this was the first fragrance oh for Joe gosh. Loves. So beautiful. These are all the, the you know, again, food is yeah. always sitting in the yeah. background for me. And ma that's mango and Thailand. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Thailand. Yeah. What a clever, clever idea, honestly. And it, icy cold keeps you nice and cool. Yeah. And in the winter, you can, when it's freezing cold, you can dip the uh, brush into warm water, squeeze a cologne, and you'll have hot, warm cologne that you're just able to then put your cashmere sweater on top. Well, you've you, you sold it to me. Can I ask you, what is your favourite scent? 
if you can answer that um orange anything from the orange blossom tree so i love petit nearly anything it reminds me of the south of france and it reminds me of being the child the young woman who went to grass for the first time and sitting in the little square with the terracotta wars and the turquoise shutters and would you say that's your signature scent it's is it the scent that you note. sort of wear the most it's a note note a note okay. I wear. so i so finish scents to me um commercial i love chanel 19 okay um i wore christian dior durella on my wedding day did you yeah i did i wanted to wear something that i hadn't created and um and at the time i was only 21 so it wasn't that yeah, good yeah yeah and uh, i love i just love scent i love fragrance i love the ability that it has to transform um my dad wore Guerlain vetiver and Christian Dior Eau Sauvage. Yeah. So whenever I smell those, I think of my father. And my mum wore Margrief by Carbon. My dad wears Vetiver, uh, is it Guerlain? Guerlain, uh, yeah. Guerlain, um, Vetiver, oh, yeah. It's gorgeous, creamy. Oh, it's beautiful. So I guess we've been banging on now about this wonderful link to food. And I really kind of want to get mm. into that. So, I mean, it's obvious food smells great, sometimes doesn't. What do you think, uh, for you anyway, because you're saying this is a huge influence for you, mm. you know, sort of you've created a tapas bar and, you know, I'm, I've now got pomelo or, or Thai lime and, and whatnot mm. on me. But what do you think it is about the link between food and scent? It's flavour. It, it's so flavour and, and um, what you taste in your mouth and what you smell is very different by the way, like truffle, for instance. Mm. You know, you can smell, uh, where you put a tiny bit on your on your tongue of truffle and it fills, doesn't it, your whole um, your whole kind of senses or uh, something like a sweet mango, you know. But if you, if you start to taste food and you start to break it down, and so mango is like an acacia honey. It's mm. at that fresh kind of um, like pulpy fruit, that, but there's a real greenness, so there's a leaf in there so whatever I taste and sometimes when I taste things I push it through my nose so I I sort of take a breath and I push oh. it through and I'm and I'm creating those notes and then I go back to my orchestra and I start to create what I'm tasting um, there is a machine I don't know whether you've ever ever used it it's um there's one in Paris and they use them to connect flavor and scent and you put your your head into this like big dome and it's like a, a music kind of thing and the this the smell comes at you and then you're tasting and you're smelling trying to recreate flavor and fragrance wow. it's amazing i'll take you one day that to do it sounds fab and incredible you use that for ice creams yogurts um you know when you're when you're trying to create that berry because you can't always take something from a natural and create it you have to place all other things in place to hold the flavor or the taste. Something you've just mentioned actually is really interesting. So let's just use truffle, for example. So this is my personal opinion. Mm. I mean, I love truffles. Uh, unfortunately, very expensive taste in food. Um, truffles, the smell, we're not talking about truffle oil, just truffles. The smell of a truffle is stronger than the taste of a truffle. Yes. So I, obviously being in the food world, when I, if you're going to order a truffle pasta and everyone's like, oh, this tastes so delicious, it's so truffly, that's actually the oil you're tasting because for me, truffles, shaved truffles, don't really have a very strong taste of truffle. It's the smell. Mm. I, basically, I don't know what I'm trying to say is sometimes I wonder if... Maybe it becomes smell, one sense. Or is it that the smell has is so strong that it's causing my mind. brain to tell me that actually it is tasting of truffle but how i know it's the smell how interesting is that because the amount of times that you know i get to meet lots of wonderful chefs and you know as the more i get into this world you know you're given lovely meals or whatever and there have been times where they've said i'll have some truffle on that mm. and i've been like oh it's lovely but i've been like i can't taste a damn thing like there's just, it's, it's and, just I, and i know they're there. good truffles you know mm. these are amazing italian mm. chefs and so i'm trying to kind of understand if that's a trick of the mind. Maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't eat truffle a lot, I have to say. I love the, I love the use of it in yeah, fragrance because yeah. it gives power. Um, and I love to taste every ingredient. So have you ever had a, is it called a sabaye? 
which is a pastry with cheese, honey, truffle. Ooh. So we have a little a little no, restaurant <laughs> called Olive Ocane just opposite. One of, the, one of my favourites in London. Too, yeah. Mine too. And one afternoon I went over and I saw this gentleman eating this pastry. I think it, I've, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it is a pastry with, and it's hot, it's warm. And in it you have some cheese, honey, orange, a little Gosh. grated orange and truffle. And you have it with a coffee. It's a, a Sardinian delicacy. And that's what created twi- uh, truffle, Red Truffle 21. So wow. the in- inspiration of eating that, not that Red Truffle 21 has cheese in it or anything mm. like that, but it was the power of the orange. It was the power of the truffle. And so I took the, I almost animated a truffle. So I took away the, the smell from food and then I recreated it to bring power to other notes. Um, yeah, so so again, very food, in, it's fascinating conversation when you think food about triggers it. Triggers back, yeah, every, ti- every time for me, yeah. every time. And then I sort of like you know, sort of going back to your general relationship with food. You said that you do love cooking, um, and I wonder what the experience is like for you cooking because of this sort of incredible. Um, I'm going to call it a talent. I don't I, because I obviously you're the magician in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, when you're cooking. Are you being led by your nose mm. as much as you are tasting? Um, my nose and my and my taste definitely. So when I'm I'm always I can't bear dull people and I can't bear dull food. <laughs> I just can't. I think that's the quote. That's the quote of the year. <laughs> I'm going to put that on. I'm putting that on my gravestone. <laughs> and the t- the t- that's it. You know, just I want it to kind of amuse me or make me laugh or make me smile or whatever. So I'm always um, and at the moment I'm going through. Um, I'm using so many spices and they're so inspirational. I'm using a spice at the moment, a herb, sorry, called zatar, which mm. is a Palestinian herb, and it. I use it on an. It, I had an omelet uh, last night and we had you know zatar. Um, and it is, it's lemony, it's herby, it's wonderful and roast potato. Roast potatoes, by the way, are transformed with paprika and za'atar. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Za'atar is amazing. I mean, I'm going to have to thank, um, Ottolenghi, both, um, both Yotam and Sammy, because they created Ottolenghi together, because honestly, before that, because I'm half Iranian, so I knew about za'atar, but now you can buy it in your Tesco local. And I'm so happy that it's become oh. such a versatile ingredient um, in the Western I, world. Me too. Me Honestly, too. it's incredible. I wanted to ask you actually earlier, have you ever been asked to make a bizarre fragrance? Mm. So many, many years ago, I was I, <clears throat> one of the ladies I looked after her face, her husband ran McDonald's. And I had, I know, I saw your jaw drop there. My, my whole <laughs> face just dropped. <laughs> I'm not sure where this is going. It's it's safe. It's, okay. it's safe. It's okay. And it was their 20th anniversary. And he said, will you create us a fragrance for McDonald's? It was never sold. and But for the, to celebrate 20 years. And I didn't. It was called First Generation. It was very citrus. Wow. And I then took it in for about, about three years. We had it in all the um, wipes. So when you had a hamburger... And no. the, oh my goodness, the things we had to do and test that. You had to stuff them up your nose. I had to eat them. I had to do all kinds of things to make sure they were safe. And I went, oh, for goodness sake, give it to me. I'll, I'll do it. And um, it's, you know, roll your sleeves, just get up and get on. And someone said to me the other day, Joe, I found a bottle on eBay. I mean, it must smell awful now. Yeah. But we did them in these beautiful boxes. So I think that was one of the most bizarre ones. Um, didn't smell of pickles or hamburgers. <laughs> But um, it did make your hands smell very nice after you'd eaten one. Thank God for that. What is your favourite smell of food? I think one of the things I love the most are markets. Takes me back to the market girl. And I adore food markets. Absolutely. Whether I'm in the south of France, walking through. And you just, everything is so fresh. And you Mm. pick up a nectarine or a peach and it smells it's almost as though, you know, it entices you way before you've even eaten yeah. it. Tomatoes in Italy. Yeah. You know what? Wonderful. Never put your tomatoes in the fridge. Oh, they don't hate get it. Me started on they that. hate yeah. it. Um, and we have tomato plants growing on our terrace. Oh, and we don't have many a year, but we, that tomato salad you have. So I think markets. Um, I love all the uh, piers in San Francisco. You know, the pier, yes. food piers and everything. Yeah. 
Um, and I just love the smell of fresh produce. I love seeing the people that have grown it, selling it. There is just something truly, truly magical. So I think markets are probably my, my favourite place to And to what's visit. your least favourite smell of food? I don't like garlic. And garlic doesn't like me. I know. Your jaw's dropped again. <laughs> so garlic oh, is... Oh, gosh, makes... Jo, we were doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to have the paprika. <laughs> I don't mind a tiny bit. And when I was younger, I used to love a chicken Kiev. Mm. Oh, just... And something happened to my body. So I did a year's chemotherapy. And after that, I couldn't eat garlic. And I still can't. It makes me really ill. And my son, of course, is just adores garlic. And so does my husband. But when he's even cooking it, I have to go and sit out in the garden until he's finished. It actually makes me feel really unwell. Actually, just, just touching on that... When, because I, um, my, my brother unfortunately went through cancer um, a few years ago, he's absolutely fine, but oh. the sort of interesting part of it, if we can call that, was during his year of chemo, all of his taste buds changed. Yeah, mine too. Um, and I was actually going to ask you, what, mm. so aside from garlic, what else did you find? I was very ill through chemo, very ill, so, um, but but I'm well, and, and thank goodness he is too, yes. so you must come and, we must come and have a, a little lunch over the road and Absolutely. celebrate, or a Chinese, Chinese field, there you go, um, I, um, I could only, eat, I could eat grapefruit, anything, uh, there's certain yes, taste, citrus, citrus actually, I could, yes. but you have, so I was on adromycin and cytoxin, which is, gives you the strong metal taste yeah. in your mouth, so I couldn't taste anything, it's the only time in my life I've never drunk alcohol. I love a glass of yeah. wine. Couldn't touch it. Um, I lived on very, very bland, very bland fruit. Bananas. Bananas. I still eat masses of bananas and I loved those. But grapefruit, orange, grapes I could eat. Um, sort of quite fresh flavours, I guess. Just, yeah, like, very, very clean. Yeah. And then I, would, then I would long for something and then the minute it was on my plate, no. oh, I, could, yeah. I couldn't take no. it. But um, yeah, I've made up for it since. Thank God for that. You obviously said, we've now mentioned a few times about your love of cooking. What are your specialities at home aside from your za'atar paprika potatoes? I can, yeah, I can make a very good roast chicken. Okay. Um, so I have a friend called Elizabeth Horn, uh, Elizabeth and Mark, and Elizabeth is the best cook I have ever known. So whatever I've learnt, I've tried to mimic her. She can do the best Sunday roast you have oh. ever had in your life. Um, and I'm always trying to achieve that. Almost get there, but not quite. <laughs> but roast chicken, couple of lemons up its bottom, and yes. salt and pepper, <laughs> and let it roast away. Absolutely. Um, but but I will also use all the bones to make soup as well. So I am very good at roast chicken. I'm very good at making food look. I love big platters. Mm. I mean, I, I love Ottolenghi food, yes. and I love that everyone. So in our house. On a Friday night, if you're around and you haven't got anywhere, you just knock on the door and you're welcome to sit at our table. That's We've always been like that as a family. Mm -hmm. And we will create big bowls of pasta. Mm -hmm. Whatever's in the fridge, we'll make a meal from. Um, salads, anything like that. So I'm really good at... Uh, and I created something the other day which was spinach with hummus. Uh, and using... Because my husband's dairy-free. And it creates this wonderful creamy sauce. So you can have cream spinach with no dairy. Oh, that's Idea. And you just use hummus and lots of fresh herbs yeah. and salt and pepper, salt and pepper seasoning, olive oil, wonderful olive oil. Fab. I might, I might steal so, that. When you are out and about, where are some of your favourite restaurants? I love Oliver Carne. It's one of our favourites. Manicomio, which is... Uh, oh, that's on... I'll take you there. What's it's that? a little... Oh, it's, it's owned by two wonderful people called Nina and Andrew. And it's Italian, really simple Italian food. And you sit outside with, under all the lights in the trees, and it's it's our family restaurant. It's we go there twice a week, and it's just beautiful, lovely, warm focaccia, oh, the lobster, yeah. the lobster spaghetti, yes. and the chicken Sold. milanese. Yes, oh. <laughs> heaven. So I love there. <laughs> but I like coffee. I like coffee shops. I like to sit and with my notebook and watch watch the world. And I, you know, you'll probably see me sometimes. I sit with a glass of wine and I just treasure the moment. I might be smelling. I sit in restaurants with my papers and smell. And anyone around here knows what I'm doing. Um, I do remember one, somebody once coming up to me and say, excuse me, madam, you can't do that there. And I said, what? 
and he th- clearly thought I was sniffing something oh, else. God. And I wasn't. I was sniffing colognes. <laughs> it's just bizarre. <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. So, I always finish my conversations with some quick fire questions. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Uh, it was fresh sea urchins. We were on a boat and they dived and got all these things in the bottom of the sea. Two Greek guys brought them up and made sea urchin pasta. Oh, And it was delicious. Mm, I bet it was amazing. What has been your most memorable meal? Oh, I, find that, I found that one really, really hard. But I think... Um, I had hyperemesis uh, when I was having Josh and I didn't eat for nearly eight months. And when I had him uh, that night, I had sausage and scrambled egg and held my beautiful boy in my arms, that one. Do you know what's really interesting about that answer is a few people have said to me one of their most memorable meals was the meal they had after giving birth. I don't have children yet and it's really fascinating to me because it could just be like a piece of toast or... But I think it's the fact that you sort of gone through these nine months of carrying Mm. obviously you had a few complications Mm. and a lot of people do you go through this very intense labor process whichever way you give birth and then you have that one meal afterwards and it's like and holding and you're holding your baby (laughs) (laughs) the most important question i'm going to ask you today um my favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps Mm. what is your favorite flavor of crisps and cheese and onion okay Right, but now we've got to just like take mm. it and down a notch, uh, take it up a notch. We're talking like a Walkers, or are we talking like oh. um, maybe like a kettle chip, or is there another brand that you ooh. like? I like anything cheesy and oniony, though. I mean, it's it's not great if you're at a party because it does no. give you the worst breath yeah, in the world. True. Um, but I no, I like kettle chips. I okay. love kettle. So I you actually, like a slightly thicker crisp. Because the walker is quite thin and like mm. super crispy. Yeah, no, I do like the I do like the kettle chips. Okay. I think yeah. Yeah. And I love all those gourmet. Yeah. Um, ones they had. I had one the other day which was chorizo and something, and oh, it was yeah. just yummy. Yeah, yummy. Love it. I'll take all of them. Thank you very much. What food sums up happiness for you? Uh, Friday night dinner, probably people around the table and um, a roast chicken, a roast chicken, roast potatoes all vegetables and um, I hate dry food so I love everything with like bread sauce and cheese sauce and everything absolutely all sauce final question live to eat or eat to live what do you think (laughs) well because we're now best friends I think it's live to eat (laughs) (laughs) I think I just can't answer that one because I love living and I love eating and the two when I think I think I eat really, really healthily, but but sitting around a table is what life is about for me. So, yeah, I live to eat. Well, there we go. You were made. You were made for me, Joe. May I say this has been the biggest honour. I've learnt so much. I think that you are a magician, and your father would be very proud oh. that 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 uh, magician's assistant became the fully fledged magician i'm sorry i'm making her cry again but honestly you 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 are just amazing oh well i love this thank you and and i hope that we can share food together one day we will um and yeah thank you for joining me thank you very much until next time thank you for tuning in if you love what you hear please subscribe and review don't forget to follow me on instagram at crazy sexy food and check out the crazy sexy food youtube channel until next time bye